Hello, I'm Charles Jenkins, and welcome to the third episode of When You Speak, Giacosa Listen. We have a special guest with us today in the studio, and her name is Miss Katie Owes. She's the CEO of Texas Alliance. Hello, Miss Katie, and welcome to When You Speak, Giacosa Listen. I love it. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. All right. Uh, Just give us a little brief uh, bio and tell us a little bit about who you are. Sure. Well, I'm I'm Katie Ols. I'm the CEO of the Texas Alliance of Child and Family Services, and we have a sister organization, the Texas Center for Child and Family Studies, and we really exist to support community-based organizations like Giacosa doing the direct services with children, youth, and families, um, mostly in the child welfare space, but also behavioral mental health, education, some juvenile justice, trafficking response, etc. So it's a pretty incredible job I have, and I get to meet amazing people doing work that um, is so impactful all over the state. And y'all, Katie is pretty humble. She has more than uh, Texas Alliance on her resume. Uh, tell us a little bit about your time before Texas Alliance. Sure. What did you do? I worked for the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services, where I served in a number of roles. I think most recent before making the transition, I was the deputy commissioner. Had um, the opportunity to work under various commissioners, and there have been a few um, <laughs> in the, over the years, but. I've learned something from each of them, um, and they each have their own kind of area of focus or their own kind of crisis or or moment in time. And so I got to be right there next to some pretty um, important decisions that were made and, and um, moments in child welfare history. And then prior to the department, I also worked at the Health and Human Services Commission. So I dabbled a little yeah. bit in understanding <laughs> Medicaid and hospitals and all of that world, too. Now, how long have you been with the Alliance? Is yeah, it four years? Over, just over five years. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know time it's close. flies. I know. Yes. Yeah. In, in your time with the Alliance and all of the other positions you've worked, uh, I know it's changed your vision over a while. So tell us now, what is your current vision for the child welfare system of Texas? What do you see it in five years? Walk us down that road. Well, sure. I mean, aside from you know world peace and that our system doesn't need <laughs> to exist because every child is well loved and cared for and safe and families are thriving. Aside from that, I think it's it's really simple. You know that we that we get it right. Yes. That every step of the way, starting with families and communities, um, you know, are accessing prevention services, and that those are right. Um, that families that get reported to the hotline, that that is right, that that progresses, the right family progresses, that the right um, decisions are made, the right tools are used by the professionals, that the right services are available, um, the right interventions are are working, and that the family has um, successes and Mm. never has to retouch the system again. So getting it right um, would be my vision. And, and, you know, it's a... These are humans um, yeah. working with humans, and while we do have a lot of research and knowledge at our fingertips, and every day there's something new that we're learning. You know, we didn't know as much as we knew about trauma and social determinants of health and ACEs yeah. 10 or 15 years ago. And look at us now. So imagine what we'll know and um, always improving and grow as we go. That's good. And everybody has a story of why they do what 
uh, source, what's your inspiration for just being who you are and doing the things you do in the child welfare system? This is the hardest question for me to answer. <laughs> I, uh, I, it's going to sound really cheesy, but I mean, my family, I, um, it's just in my DNA, you know, yeah. my, my grandma always, my nana um, always, you know, volunteered and gave back in various ways that would drag me along with her. And um, my my dad was a lifelong public school teacher. My, both my parents were always very involved. And, um, you know, I just think that my life experiences have just shaped me and given me glimpses into where communities and government, I also worked yeah. for government, um, don't get it right. And I, I've seen what happens when, when it fails people yeah. and citizens. And so, yeah, I know that's just not some really romantic answer, but it just, yeah, it just was part and, of my And right. speaking of family and getting it right, how do you balance? How do you maintain a balance between professional, personal, and your home life? Yeah, I'm not very well. <laughs> you know, I want to be one of those women that says, you can do it all and you can you know, have well-rounded life and I do you know but it's it's a, it's really hard yeah. and I have two boys a middle schooler and a high schooler oh, wow. I love their mama very much and they're very and I have a great husband very supportive um but yeah over the years I've definitely you know missed soccer games I've never been a part of the PTA but I do hope to instill in my family and you know just work ethic and mm -hmm. maybe it's a greater good and they they were they know that I mean they yeah. know that my work is very passionate I I'm never going to go to tennis or anything like that because I don't have time for that but um my work is my passion and and yeah and the way things are going right now I know from talking with friends at other agencies things have seemed a little slow around the state as it relates to the private sector in foster care do you have any suggestions on what can we do to increase foster home development? Yeah, I mean that's that's um, that's a million dollar question, mm -hmm. and things are changing with um, with the need for foster mm -hmm. homes as yeah. well. I mean, I, I hear and I know from talking to, to y'all and others that there are foster homes that are um, trained and ready and so committed and want to serve kids, but they don't have any children in their homes right now. I think we owe it to um, the system to really try to recruit and, and have the right kinds of foster parents. The kids that are in foster care are going to have more higher needs, mm -hmm. um, more complex trauma, maybe more um, services that they'll, they'll need wrapped around them. And so I think um, we can get fancy with some digital <laughs> kind of stuff, you know, some real targeted ads. We're trying that right now, you know, just really it's amazing what kind of data exists about all of us out there right and and so harnessing that to try to recruit the right kinds of families um you know i think just good old-fashioned word of mouth still yeah. matters and so i know that giacosa y'all are so good with your families my guess is they're your number one source of referrals for, for yeah. new families and that's because they've had such a good experience and um you know i, I try to really just encourage where I can at a system level, the legislature or the media or our state leaders to 
try to neutralize some of the negativity that's out yeah. there because it doesn't do the system any good. You know, we're the first ones to identify when we can do better and we're, we, we know that we don't always get it right. We are imperfect, um, but that doesn't mean um, that we should just sort of tear it all down. So my hope is that there's some balance to the communication. Yeah. And I can't talk about new foster parents without talking about the foster parents who are in the system right now. Do you have any words of encouragement or just something you can share to foster parents who's been in it for a while and starting to feel the grind of what's going on with the system? I mean, there's nothing that I can say that would be more powerful than what I hope and imagine that they they get when they serve kids, which is the smiles or the thank mm -hmm. yous or or finally a child that never had you know an understanding of a math problem, but a foster parent helps them get that. Sure. But also, I, I would say to your foster families, the child that you know punches the wall or you know screams at the dog or slams the bedroom door, just know. As hard as that is, and I have a teenager, I understand that right there is that child feeling safe enough mm -hmm. in the home to let that trauma show in that way, and they should see that as a success and that they're helping. And so there's nothing I could say that would ever be more Fair powerful time. than what I, I am sure they see every day. No, I just I love what you just said because so many times I know that foster parents take take things personal mm -hmm. when kids do things like that and I love what you said oh it's because of the trauma kids come yeah. through and now I feel comfortable enough in your home to show you just a little bit of me yeah. and so don't overreact when the kids show you a little bit of them just take it in stride and kind of pat yourself mm -hmm. on the back a little bit to say you know what we've done something right that this kid now feel safe expressing themselves right. to us uh, Katie, any, um, I know we talked about many different things. Any any thoughts or anything I didn't bring up that's going on in the legislature? Anything you want to bring up yeah. and talk about that people should know? Sure. I mean, I, I guess the, the legislature has never um, taken their eye off the ball and it has continued to have hearings. That's right, yes. Um, even during the interim, the legislature is not in session. They'll go back into session next January for 140 days um, where they will pass a budget and pass some bills. But um, the work is still happening right That's now. True. And so the Alliance and partnership with Giacosa and other folks are really you know, working very hard to make sure legislators and their staff understand this work. It's, yeah. When they see it firsthand and they are invited in to, to see, um, to meet foster parents or to meet with kids, um, to understand the system from a first-hand perspective, it really makes a difference. And Katie, I know we keep throwing that word out, Alliance, Alliance, Alliance. Could you tell our listeners a little bit more about what is the Alliance yeah. and what it's about? Absolutely, I mean, we are just that, we are an alliance. We are a group, a, a large group of community-based organizations, and we, um, our members are everything. They're our yeah. lifeblood. They, they drive our uh, advocacy agenda. They tell, they are our canaries out there in the coal mine and, oh, and telling us what issues they're having on the ground, which helps us then look at things from a system level. 
Um, we do a lot of technical assistance. We are um, we have a whole online training so to help you. We have members that are asking for trainings to help support them if they're on heightened monitoring or um, organizations that want trainings on a new evidence-based model because they mm -hmm. want to try a new type of program or a new line of business. That's what I love. It's just always evolving and our members are always kind of one step ahead and they are in they are immersed in their communities and they know Absolutely. what their communities need. And a couple more questions before we end with you uh, to the person who's, a, who's thinking about foster care, sitting on their couch, listening to you and I today. What would you say to them to just get them across the edge to say, you know what, I can do this? I, I would say, call Giacosa. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and, yes. and, and just Call Diacosa or, or your local, you know, organization. Um, it's got to be a good fit, mm -hmm. right? I mean, there are different areas of focus and different strengths of, of organizations. It's got to be a good fit, but y'all are, are, are uh, amazing. So um, call and listen okay. and, and, and just hear them out about what it's like and um, maybe go start the journey of the, of the verification process, which is not easy, but mm -hmm. it is worthwhile. I do believe that it's it's important to make sure that yes. the right families become foster parents. Um, and, you know, if you aren't quite ready, that's okay, because we may need um, respite caregivers, yeah. or we may need foster family supporters. I bet you have families that would love meals once a week, <laughs> or, you know, other, other help like that. That's good. And uh, the million dollar question for someone up here, I love everything this Miss Katie lady said. <laughs> How can we get a hold of her? Oh. Uh, do you have a social media tag, a website? Just share. It. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, all of the above at tacfs.org. And my campus is going to be telling me because I don't have handles for We're on Twitter, on Instagram, we on Facebook. Um, Just look up Texas Online. That's right. Yeah. That's right. You'll find us. Yeah. And um, I've got email, K-O-L-S-E at TACFS.org. Okay. Hit me up. Um, call you. And and he knows how to reach me as well. Okay. Any, um, any final thoughts? Oh, thank you. I appreciate the chance to talk to you and your listeners. And thank you for all that y'all are doing. Yes, ma'am. And um, I know... That seemed like it was quick, it seemed like 15, 20 minutes, but um, anything coming up here in the near future, in the next couple months, uh, that foster parents can get involved with? Well, I, mean, I think it depends on the community you're in. I okay. would say um, there are a lot of local efforts right now to try to come together and address these issues. Um, Community-based care mm -hmm. is a new way of doing foster care, and it's not so new. It's it's underway in Texas. Yeah. It is not yet um, in Central Texas or the Valley or some of the places I know that GFSA has a big footprint, but it's coming. And so the best way um, to prepare for that is for communities to come together and to identify your community strengths, your community needs, where you're deficient, where you have a lack of resources. Uh, we do a lot of work to help help facilitate those mm -hmm. conversations, but it really should be community-driven. And, and when you say community, are you just talking about the foster care agency? Or are you talking about the police? Are you talking about the firemen? Are you talking about 
local churches or you talk are you talking about the community as a whole i'm talking about the community as a whole now sometimes you have to explain to the local hospital or the local um school district why they need to be there but they touch these kids and these families as well that's right and and i think it's very frustrating for um a lot of us that these children or these families touch so many different systems, but we don't all coordinate. So community-based care is a chance for communities to figure some of that out That's on their true. own. And so I am talking about child welfare leaders, but I'm also talking about your local mental health authority, your churches who can be incredible resources. Um, there's a number of different um, local resource, child welfare boards. Well, Listeners, that is our show for the day, and I want to take this time to just say thank you to Miss O's for just taking time out of her busy schedule to come down and sit and talk a few minutes with us. So here's a little clap for that. Uh, just thank you, and to all the listeners, uh, you've heard it uh, from the mouth of the CEO. She has a passion about foster care, and I can say from knowing her that everything you heard is genuine and real. And that's our show for the day. Uh, thank you for tuning in to When You Speak, Jill Costa Listens. Thank you all. Have a good day. Bye-bye.